0: Hey, this is episode 23 of the tv junk podcast and this is the bear season 2 Damn, that Don't get upset. my name is greg thanks for checking out the pod you can follow us on our social uh tv junk podcast on twitter i'm still calling it twitter I'm not calling it x we still tweet and uh you know if they come up with a better name then i think they just call it uh, what do they call it now? Posting. I think they just call it Z- posting. Zeets. There's Zitz. Zitz? No. no, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can do that, and then you can follow us and uh, send us an email, TV Podcast at gmail.com If you have any uh, suggestions for uh, future episodes, or if you have any uh, complaints about Frank, whatever you know, I'll t- I'll take anything you've got. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Bear season two, and I've got uh, the crew we had for season one back, uh, Zach how's it going hey what up cuz how's it going glad to be here <laughs> sean how are you
1: i am doing great i i think i am replacing jay though i think jay was on the the first season if I'm not oh mistaken. was he oh,
0: okay i don't remember i should have went back and listened before i said that uh i apologize don't apologize and, uh, to Frank? me
1: happy to be here all
0: right Fine. apologize Frank? apologize to listeners for uh, <laughs> i should i should <laughs> yeah, apologize but yeah. uh, you know what uh For all all the huge fans in Malaysia and Luxembourg, I do apologize. And uh, we have Sean on this episode and not Jay. Jay was a little busy. Uh, But uh, we round out uh, the crew with Frank. Frank, how's it going?
2: Oh, just delightful. Gregory, how are you?
0: I'm great. Pleasure to see all of you. I I just finished watching uh, uh, the the season and uh, I'm ready to to chat about... uh, what might be my, uh, my favorite uh, uh, restaurant-based television show of all time. Wow. And I know that's a bold statement. So yeah. uh, I'm going to go to each of you, and I'm going <clears> to <throat> ask you uh, to compare The Bear to another famous restaurant-based television show. You each are going to get a different one, and I want to see what you guys think. So, Sean, we're going to start with you. Do you think the bear is better than Alice? Do you remember Alice?
1: No, I do not.
0: Alice <laughs> ran for nine seasons on CBS, starred Linda Lavin, who also sang the theme song, There's a New Girl in Town. And it's it uh, was set in a restaurant called Mel's Diner. And Mel was played by Vic Tabak. Now, you might remember Vic Tabak as one of the gangsters from the original Star Trek series, where they go back and fight the gangsters in that one episode. Nice. And you don't remember the television, like, uh, the, the TV I... show Alice gave us the famous phrase, kiss my grits.
1: Really? Is that where it came from? Interesting. I, I, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I feel like it maybe is like just slightly ahead of my time, but um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I'm going to say is I assume it has a better theme song.
0: Oh, incredible <laughs> theme song. Yeah, no, it's a, I think that's, it's a top tier theme song for, uh, for sitcoms. Um, right. But so since you haven't heard of it, I'm going to guess you're going to say the bear is
1: better. I'm going to go with the bear on that one. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Zach. Yeah. Uh, we're going to give you, a, a another great restaurant based. I hope it's what I'm thinking. Uh, it's probably <laughs> not. Uh, this, uh, ran for two seasons. On ABC for uh, in 1992 and 1993, it was called Jack's Place, almost rhymes with Zach, and it starred <laughs> Hal Linden, who was famous for being on Barney Miller. You know what? I was hoping were when uh, I was hoping you're gonna go for two guys, a girl,
3: and a pizza place or something, but I know you're saving that for Frank because I know that's <laughs> that's the Ryan Reynolds <laughs> launching pad. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm not familiar with Jack's Place actually.
0: Uh, well, um. It uh, this uh, Jack's place was a restaurant according to the write up on the television show where romances start. So, this is like a very romantic restaurant, and I figured uh, you are a super romantic guy, and I figured that would be the best choice uh, for you. So, I'm just throwing it out there. What is better, the bear or Jack's place?
3: You know what? Um, I'm gonna go with the bear this time around. Okay.
0: Fair <laughs> enough. Now, Frank, I'm sure maybe you're thinking that uh, Zach might have been correct and that I would uh, throw out two guys, a girl, at a pizza place, too, because I know you're such a huge fan of Ryan Reynolds and that other guy and that girl that was in the show. Um, but maybe you're just a fan of pizza. But, no, I'm not going to give you that that show. I am I'm a gonna fan give of you, pizza. You are a fan of pizza? Oh, yes. Okay, so then I don't think that would be a good comparison to the bear then. Um, so – What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a show that also ran on CBS, like Alice. Uh, Only one season, but it did get 22 episodes starring Tim Reed from WKRP fame. He played um, uh, Venus Flytrap. Uh, This show was called Frank's Place. Really? Yes.
2: I've never heard of Frank's Place.
0: Well, it was set in New Orleans, and he inherited the restaurant from his dad. He had a big job in new york and uh, uh he was just gonna go down to sell the place but uh, the head waitress uh and i don't know if this would be okay to do today who lived in louisiana she cast a voodoo spell on him and made his life in new york fall to pieces so we had to move to new orleans and take on the restaurant and it ran for one season and it was actually voted by rolling stone uh uh ranked at number nine of the best sitcoms that ended too soon. Interesting.
2: Maybe we need a reboot where Frank owns a New Orleans Pelicans themed sports bar. (laughs) Like it's a new Cheers called Frank. But I thought I was going to get to pick the show. I was leaning towards Just Like Mom, the famous Canadian cooking show. Uh, Right. And I would still pick the bear. And I do pick the bear over Frank's place.
0: Uh, so two things. Um, I was incorrect. Rolling Stone ranked at number nine on the best sitcoms of that era. But it was TV Guide that ranked at number three of the 60 shows that were canceled too soon. Well, Only that many. changes everything. Yes. Uh,
2: I stand by my <laughs>
0: previous statement. And, uh, and as far as Just Like Mom goes, I, I I don't really like to give a platform to that host, Fergie Oliver, who was may or may not be one of the creepiest people ever on television.
2: Uh, really I, uh, yeah, I don't, I just remember making really bad cookies with ketchup, which
0: well, and and really actually really good. Wouldn't <laughs> that just be the thing you would do in order to win the bicycle or the free shopping spree at Wolko or whatever it was that you won, but did, it would be to tell your mom said, mom, when you eat the three cookies from the three contestants, my cookie is just going to be ketchup just ketchup it. that was the that was the thing right mom had to pick yeah you, the cookie that belonged to her child
2: yeah there's even when i was a child we thought we knew how we could rig these games and figure oh, yeah. it out
0: so. but and, uh the moms were always too kind on the cookies which were more than likely always terrible <laughs> i'm assuming yes
2: i'm i'm not a fan of restaurant shows in general so
0: right really you know, like, Frank, do you remember uh, the odd time uh, when Just Like Mom was replaced by Just Like Dad?
2: I have very vague memories of this, yes. And
0: uh, it was just the uh, same thing, but it was Dad's eating the cookies. And uh, I will say that Dad's not kind to all the children when the cookies were terrible. <laughs> and uh, as the way it should be. All right, so we've got three votes for the bear across the board. Well, I guess uh, that's not too surprising. I gave you some bangers, but uh, since none of you had either seen nor heard of any of the choices <laughs> I gave you, uh, I guess it all worked out well. All right. So let's uh, talk about uh, season two. Uh, once again, the season created by uh, uh, Christopher Store, starring Jeremy Allen White, uh, Yvonne moss Backrack, uh, Io Edebrey. Uh, Leon Boy, uh, Lionel Boyce, uh, Liza Cohen, Zayas, Abby Elliott, and uh, Elliot, and uh, Maddie Matheson. Um, and uh, where we left off in season one, um, they had they discovered that uh, um, uh, Carm's uh, brother, uh, Michael, who had uh, uh, he killed himself, right? And uh, he had left them money that he had borrowed from uh, uh, their uncle, and he had hid it in the uh, in the cans of tomatoes. And we had uh I remember we did have a discussion on recanning tomatoes and uh, what appliances that would be, and uh, Frank, I know you were very passionate about uh, the recanning of canned goods.:
2: Yes, that it is possible, and uh, it was not uh, a break in reality for me watching this show.
0: Well, good. and you Go guys ahead.
2: loved drugging kids. <laughs> That's
0: right it was, well, it, was I... it was one of the funniest parts of the season. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm hoping you guys all noticed that in like the first five minutes of episode one of season two, they have to introduce that there is a in fact a canner in the basement of the restaurant. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I did. It's um Richie is in the in the in the um the basement for some reason looking for something, and then they show the canner sitting there on one of the on the like some uh, some you know sitting there in, in the basement there. So. I'm guessing, my assumption is, after watching this episode, is that the producers of the show listened to our podcast and took everything we said to heart and tried to correct it. Because they did correct a lot of things, including adding the element of this canner, trying to explain it away in a simple scene that showed it within the first five minutes so that no questions could be asked about
0: season one ever again.
1: A lot of course correcting going on.
0: (laughs) I mean, if the, they, if they did listen, they would have given us more children being drugged, but I don't think there were any children at all in this season. No, I don't think so. Well, I mean, they're all children deep down, I guess. In in their hearts, they're children. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so uh, let's just go around and just give uh, overall thoughts on a uh, season two before we uh, start talking about specific episodes and that. And uh, Frank, Uh, I'll throw it to you first, then uh, just, you know, in in a short synopsis of your feelings about uh, season two.
2: Well, I started the season remembering, enjoying the bear. And as the first episodes were happening, I'm like, do I actually like this show? Because it's, again, focuses on the chaos of the kitchen and People like I would snap if I worked in this environment and I uh, I'm just like, why, why did I like this show? I'm for I don't remember why I liked it, but it was almost a repeat like experience for me watching season two, because by the time we get into the, the second half of the season, that chaos creates this sense of family. And I think people with families, you know, like, I think we all have families and you you like argue there's a chaos inherent to families that you don't get in another spot, which makes the emotional moments that much more impactful. And I I really think the chaos works to the point where by the end of the season, I'm like crying at little things that uh, it like completely works for me. And I go along the same journey and it really evokes uh emotions of family in like real ways so took a while to get back on board but by the end i was fully uh embracing this season and really all the characters i still enjoy on the show
3: wow you Uh, i thought i always thought you were the anti-family guy but now i'm hearing that you're loving the family
2: no i'm anti-movies that just say they're about family because it's really like the easiest thing to say it's about this goes another level. It uh, brings the emotional conflict of family and makes you feel it while you're watching the show.
0: So Love Frank, and would the you hate. Say it's
2: not just about like your family.
0: Would Would you say the bear is uh, I guess like equal on, on showing real family in the same way that the fast and the furious franchise is
2: it's, yeah, it's they're both trying to evoke that. I would say the bear does it much better. Oh, okay. And it manipulates me. I, I think okay. that's the point at times, that you're supposed to be frustrated uh, the same way you can in real life. And uh, I don't know. I'm not big on the cooking stuff. I don't care as much about that. But the, the core relationships in the show still work for me. Although I don't have a lot Bird of nerve for this season. It felt a lot like season one. To me.
0: Uh Sean, uh, you have a family. I do have a family. I'm, ass- I, I'm assuming it, all I mean, the uh the 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 screaming fights uh, I know my, uh touched, my family, touched a little too close.
1: my family get togethers <laughs> are not really like that, but um they see, just you know, all eat
3: soylent and so there's no arguing. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, you know I'm not a foodie, you know, I'm not into the food porn thing, uh, but this show does make me appreciate what goes into um, sort of the, the blood, sweat and tears of, you know, someone who loves food, loves the creativity of that, the art of that. And th- just the uh, idea of like serving other people, bringing happiness to other people and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the chaos of the kitchen and all that stuff. I mean, I was a big fan of that in the first season just because I thought they got it across so well, so viscerally, but Uh, what I like about the second season is that now it it puts a context to it right now. We start to find out why Carmi is so at home in that chaos, why he's good at thriving in that environment. And, uh, it kind of brings it all together. So I, yeah, I mean, like, I agree. It's not that different from season one, but I mean, I just, I don't know. There's something about this show that is unlike anything else on TV. It's just, it looks so good it feels very organic you know full there's full episodes where it's like nothing really happens but you're just spending time with the characters getting to know a little bit about them and uh yeah i just uh, i think it's one of the best shows on tv right now
0: uh zach you're a you're a foodie i mean uh Mm. i've seen your photos on instagram you you uh uh you're probably in uh uh into all this and uh and maybe are you interested in the way that they prepare foods? Like, did you really get into the kitchen scenes? I mean, I'm not, um, I mean, I I will say uh, those,
3: those, some of those scenes are some of my favorite parts. Like I think some of the individual stories of like Marcus um, or like when Sydney's just going around to restaurants, I thought those were actually some of my favorite parts of the show. And I thought, The show, this season, more than last season, I think it really excels at celebrating the kind of culture around food, more so than just like the preparation and and hard work that goes into making food. And so I I, I love those moments. I mean, um, in terms of this season overall, like, I kind of agree with Frank, when it first started, I was like, the first episode was very intense right off the bat, like you're starting over again, even though the restaurant's not even open, there's still kind of this chaos happening. Um, and I kind of felt like, oh, this is a bit of a chore to watch this show because it's kind of like grating on your nerves a little bit because there's so much yelling. But I actually thought like the way that it develops, it goes in a, in a direction I thought that was quite a bit different than the season one and that it was much more um, more about them learning to balance and work together and to coordinate and had a much more calmer vibe to it, um, especially as they go off into the different um Individual journeys that each person has, and so I, I, I really liked the way that they kind of told these separate stories about them all, kind of having their own journey, <clears throat> um, and then kind of ending on this kind of moment of chaos as well, like to kind of bring it all back to it. So I mean, I kind of, I, I quite liked it. I felt like it kind of improved a lot on season one. A lot of maybe my <laughs> the criticisms maybe people have for season one, I think it kind of corrected a lot of them. Um, and tried to answer some of the maybe questions or um, frustrating parts about season one. Well, but, yeah.
2: I, I like the individual arcs for each character, but I did find they were a little trivial. Like, oh, you go away for one week and come back and you're like the best Restaurant runner in the world and all this stuff. Like, for sure. It, it felt a little derivative when the show seemed to get into like genuine chaos. And it yeah, was yeah. with the other idea of what's the reality and success rate of a restaurant that it's like, oh, just go to to uh watch someone for a week and you'll come back and you'll be the best ever so
3: for sure i i I do agree with that like the the show kind of um i think it thrives on this kind of authenticity like it feels real and then there's moments like that where it's like so preposterous that you're like like richie's story kind of stood out to me as kind of like oh like this guy who's just like uh always a fuck up goes away for a week and is suddenly like you know it's like he's just read like Jordan Peterson or something. And it's like, Oh, I'm going to straighten out really? my life and every second counts. And I'm going to make my moments better and everything. You know what I mean? It was very like, I cleaned up my life all of a sudden and everything's better. Like, and I'm calm and relaxed kind of approach. Well,
2: and to be fair, like <laughs> each of the characters in the sense that I find the show manipulative, like I like the characters and I want them to succeed. So it's, I, I like when the moments happen, but I'm definitely conscious of the fact like this seems a little too easy.
0: For sure. Um, I'll, I'll echo what uh, you guys were saying in regards to it, uh, maybe starting a little bit uh, slow. Um, I think the second half of the season has some of the best uh, scripted television that I've that I've ever seen. And uh, I know watching season one, there was one particular episode which blew my mind. And uh, I think uh, there was one episode in this season that uh, I think even eclipsed that one um uh i just i i really enjoy the uh just watching a show where they where each character you know has their own journey and and their that character is just developed uh through an entire season um uh the previous uh episode of this podcast uh we did secret invasion and uh when you get if you guys listen to that one um we're gonna talk about how like none of the characters went on any kind of journey and and really there was zero character development and the main character was exactly the same at the end of the six episodes as he was at the beginning and it was just it was almost a complete waste of time and and effort from all the people who put that show out um but uh, maybe too many people
2: like all these shows and all the creators are trying to be storytellers maybe they need to be storytellers
0: oh my god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna edit that out
2: <laughs> i don't i think that's good you gotta be a storyteller.
0: Uh, well well speaking of that the first episode was was in fact written by christopher store the storyteller uh in charge I, you would say um <laughs> and uh, uh it picks up right where the uh where season one uh ended with uh 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 Carmi and sydney um you know working together to open up their new restaurant uh the bear and they're developing the, their menu um they asked the sister natalie to uh, be like the project manager for all the renovations that they need to do um and then they need they need more money so they go back to uncle cicero uh, uh oliver platt who's uh, uh great uh once again i think in the season and he agrees to owe the money in the condition that he gets repaid in 18 months or he takes ownership of the property, which is a, a pretty good deal uh, on his part. So they, uh, they decide that uh, they need to open the restaurant in three months. And that really kicks off uh, the season uh, and the chaos uh, begins. They even call the menu, the chaos menu for a little bit. And uh, uh, that kind of sets up the pace for the entire season uh, to, uh, opening night for friends and family which is the season finale so this whole season takes place in that three months um but so i think almost uh there's like one or two weeks per per episode almost and as they uh develop the story to get the restaurant open so you guys kind of mentioned uh how the first episode was really chaotic and it really got you uh into the season um sean what were your your thoughts overall on episode one that to to pull you back in and get you excited to to go on with season two
1: yeah i mean i i, I like that it kind of brought that energy again and um and pulled me in but i mean one thing i was thinking about and i don't remember if you guys discussed this at the end of season one but just to touch on the 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 loan and that whole thing i'm a little confused because you know they find the money but the money was loaned from Uncle Jimmy, right? So isn't it kind of like when you find that money, you should be like, oh, Uncle Jimmy, here's your money. (laughs) Like Instead of like, oh, hey, we got all this money we can open a restaurant with. Like, I don't really understand. And then they go and they ask for more money from him. It's kind of a strange situation. I don't totally understand how that all plays out. But I mean, obviously, yes. Setting it up so that they have to get this thing up and running very quickly feeds into the, the chaos the energy and i like that so that was cool
0: well essentially they 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 told him we found your money and uh we're not giving it back to you but we in fact want more money from you and you know (laughs) i suppose that is a normal conversation that you could have with family but uh it seemed to work out well for them anyway
3: I mean, Uncle Jimmy was a lot nicer this year than last year. I think <laughs> <laughs> he's in a, he's a much better mood last last year. I mean, he comes off, comes across as he's going to like break your legs if you don't pay him back. And now he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, let's get that money going. Like, try to pay him back sometime soon. Or
2: <laughs> well, the, the show is definitely like we talked about veering into nice core territory.
3: Uh, and I'm going to add the
2: other thing I dislike the most about this season was the casting in general and it kind of felt like just going down the nominees for the national treasure award because the show is popular <laughs> they can just we can get jamie lee curtis we can get bob odenkirk we can get olivia coleman we can get anyone we want to do like 10 minutes on this show and i actually didn't think any of those actors well one i wasn't crazy about but uh we'll get to that but the i just didn't think it was that inspired casting the way that like oliver platt who isn't seen that much anymore was really great in season one. And I love him in this season. I thought they like, I was hoping they kind of cast people that, Oh, I haven't seen that person in a while when it seemed like they went the opposite. It's like, let's get the most popular people to do like uh small roles on the show, which just bothered me a bit.
0: Would, would you have preferred instead of Olivia Coleman, they get Tina Yothers?
2: Sure. <laughs>
0: do, <laughs> no, do, you know who, do you know who Tina Yothers is?
2: Yeah, from Family Ties?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Look, I Are know you- some of these TV shows too, but Just not these one-season shows <laughs> that you bring up. But uh, I actually let Olivia <laughs> Colman was probably my favorite out of the stunt casting. Uh, I thought she was really good. But, you know, some of the other... Eh. John Mulaney, I, I like the writing for his character. I think I would have liked it no matter who was delivering it. But, uh, yeah, Bob Odenkirk, that was probably the one that I'm might- like... Does this guy need another thing to be in?
3: I mean, I also really liked um, Will Poulter. Um, I thought he was really good. I I mean, he's barely in it. Yeah, I know. I mean, they're all barely in it. I mean, it's. um, But I I, his maybe because his was the first. Like so, then he like it's basically just the one episode where they all appear essentially. Um, But Will Poulter's maybe just seemed a bit more natural, and it wasn't like it didn't feel like it was like a star role, and you didn't really know if it was gonna be bigger than it was at that moment. But
2: yeah. And I think the, um, if I'm going to say something negative about the show, I will follow it with something positive. One of the things I think the show does very well is not making things really obvious, but you're like, okay, I'm supposed to be looking at this. An example would be the cannolis in the Christmas episode. Like, I don't know why this is important yet, but I remember that image, uh, without it being too, uh, hitting me over the head and then it has a payoff two episodes later or it's even small stuff like how picking the number when he gives a fake number so that as an audience, Oh, I know he just like, I remembered the previous number, which I don't do necessarily when I watch t- Like I don't remember every number that gets said. So I think the, the show is really good at subtly calling attention to things that are going to have payoffs. I always know when a payoff sure. hits and it's not in a cheap way, which I think is really hard to do.
3: Sure. Yeah, I mean, even when he he gave the number, I was like, it sounds like he's giving a fake number. But is he? I'm like his because his acting style is very uh, abnormal. Like, so I was like, I can't tell if he's giving a fake number or not. But
2: I still uh, remember both numbers.
3: Wow.
0: Really? What, what are they?
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure 0901 and 0902.
0: Hmm. I mean, you remembered four numbers and then changed one. I don't know <laughs> if that's impressive or not.
2: You you guys didn't, whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So let's uh, step into episode two um, where they begin to uh, encounter some uh, construction issues. Uh, They discover that there's a a mold problem. Um, uh, We get a little bit of a comedy from uh, Maddie Matheson in, in in this episode as well with the, with Richie and and the ceiling falling down. Um, uh, Sydney has dinner with her father and uh, Frank, you talked about bringing people, uh, uh, not just stunt casting, but, uh, Robert Townsend plays Sydney's father. And I don't think I've seen Robert Townsend since meteor man.
2: Yeah, that's uh, to me, that's an example of like good casting, like bringing someone who is good or has been forgotten about a bit and bringing them back. I just, I wish the show had more of that. I, to be fair though, it does mix it up a bit. It's kind of half those and half like.
0: Sure.
1: Icons of acting.
0: um Sean, thoughts on the Meteor Man?
1: <laughs> yeah, he was good. I mean, to be honest, like I was like I kind of thought maybe he was in season one, so I, it just felt I don't remember, totally, but he might have been. Yeah, I, mean, I thought so too. I I don't know if he was, but like it it felt natural either way. So I think that
3: was, was definitely not.
1: strong
2: casting. Not?
3: According to IMDb, and, uh, he was not. No. Okay.
2: I believe IMDb.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, and uh, so this one, was this the episode where she goes off to all the different places to do the taste testing or no?
0: That's episode three. Okay. Yeah, that's a little bit later on. Uh, this episode uh, is when she asks uh, Tina to be her sous chef, uh, which was a, a little a nice scene outside the restaurant between those two. Um, and then uh, they get her and Ebra uh, uh, get sent to culinary school in that episode as well. Um And then uh, this was also the episode that uh, introduced uh, everyone to Claire. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the actress's name, but, uh, um, you know, she kind of plays a um, um, kind of a she's got a big role uh, in in season two. And uh, like there's one particular episode where she's not even in. But the fact that her name is mentioned is a catalyst to a lot of things that happened in the episode. Um, And this is the the episode with the wrong phone numbers, which uh, Frank is very proud to remember the two different numbers and uh and i appreciate you remembering that frank
2: well i might have got it wrong so let's not
1: uh <laughs> <our chin>. yeah. <laughs> difficult to verify but yeah that was, i mean <laughs> that, was, that was definitely a cool, <laughs> definitely a cool moment where you because i wasn't 100 percent sure but i was like okay they clearly planted that number earlier so you were very aware of it whether he did or didn't give the right number <laughs> i guess i i i didn't know 100 percent, but like it was yeah interesting just how that plays out and that's again where you like she's love interest he's kind of being introduced here but this is where you're starting to see him being conflicted over like does he want something like that in his life and that kind of starts to flesh out um karma bit
0: what um um sean since uh i i i i didn't really appreciate um uh, Maddie Matheson in in season one. I think I found his character to be a little bit annoying, but I, I think in season two, uh, I, I started to enjoy Fack, uh a little bit more. Um, uh, what were your thoughts on on his character?
1: Yeah, I was going to bring him up. I mean, I still like he's not an amazing actor, but like he knows what he can do, and he kind of knows what the role of that character is. I think, and and he does start to develop a bit more. Certainly. And I think, you know, seeing his brothers in a couple of the episodes that helps round him out a bit. And yeah, he, he, he's starting to, you're starting to see some changes in him and some growth in him, which is kind of interesting. Like you think he's just this comic relief guy, but there's a little more there. And uh yeah, I thought he was good. I felt the same way about Richie's character who I was not,
2: that's the intent of that character in season one, but uh he has some good, redemption arcs in this season and i i like the stuff where he was in the other restaurant that was probably some of my favorite stuff in the show
0: uh zach what about you uh, episode two uh any particular thoughts on anything
3: yeah <clears throat> yeah just going on i mean i, I really like maddie matheson's character on there i mean i agree he's not the best actor in it but i mean i think like um i think a lot of the side characters a lot of them are not always stellar but I kind of like them and that they're pleasant to be around I thought I like Matty Matheson I loved his brother as well like I thought um is it Teddy I think Teddy back it was was really good too I thought they had like a weird chemistry even though like they're both not that good like great actors but um the kind of vibe they have I, I liked it even if I wasn't always like laughing at everything but um, I think it adds a nice element to it. I mean, I just, I, I like Manny Matheson. And so it, it's fun to see them. Um, I mean, in terms of the Sydney's father, I thought that was kind of one of the weirder elements into it. Cause he's a bit all over. Like he seems to be like, he doesn't want her to, and he never really has a moment of transition. He just kind of, at some point changes. And it's like, oh, this is amazing. Like you're doing great work. But then at the end the, the episode two, he's just kind of like, are you sure this is a good idea? Why don't you get a job doing, you know, X or something? Um, I I thought I feel like um, in this season, I think Sydney is one of my favorite characters, but she really doesn't develop in this in this season at all. And I thought that was one of the weakest parts of the story is her and her father. It's not really that much. There's not much depth there. It's just kind of like her father wants something. She wants to be successful at this, but blah blah blah. And the whole thing with the coach K. I mean, I I like that idea, but it just didn't seem that natural to. I'm like, I I, I don't know enough about Sydney to understand why she would be interested in this. So I don't know. That was kind of a weird. That's kind of a weird dynamic in this story that I don't think is fully fleshed out that much um, over the show. Yeah, like
2: well, I think Sydney is the character that. (laughs) I personally empathize with on the show, like trying to follow rules and do things the right way, (laughs) uh, like focus on work and having other chaos, like interfere with her ability to do that. So I thought the, the coach K thing kind of lined up with her personality type that was established in season one. I wasn't as crazy. Like a lot of the drama of this season surrounding the restaurant seems really forced to me.
3: Like, yeah, I
2: agree. The idea of the tests, like you can't do practice. Like, how hard can this be? If you know, uh, there's kind of a clever. I don't, I don't know if I love it actually. The writing, like how they figure out how to pass the test, but the like, how much time of of a day do you actually need to do all this stuff? Like, I'm like, like how can Carm not balance? It's not like he's with Claire all day. She's she works in a hospital. Like, how, how can this not work out time wise?
1: I find myself questioning this feels forced at times. Well, he's like prepping the menu and stuff too, right? Like, that's kind of his focus. So it's like anything outside of that <clears throat> is drawing his attention and, and is maybe being forgotten. But yeah, but it's it, they act like Claire is this
2: like taking up all this time and his attention, but that clearly cannot be the case. And Sydney's basically in charge of the menu so i don't know
1: what carmy's doing get your act together bud well i mean time <laughs> versus attention are two different things like yes she's not maybe occupying all his time but attention could be right like he's his mind is elsewhere so
3: uh, I, I mean i do agree that the storyline does become a bit forced i think some of the tension between sydney and carm it kind of yes. becomes forced when they're like oh why didn't you tell me and it's like I'm like I'm like I just don't want you guys to have an argument about this because I don't want to see that storyline developed and I'm glad that they kind of cut it off really quickly when some of that stuff happens but
0: because it just doesn't
3: it it, it just seems very forced in terms of their character and it just seems so insignificant that it's like not everything is worth like this chaos all the time. (laughs) Yeah
2: and I could see there being future payoffs to this stuff but I felt similarly about the mother element and bring that into the final episode like that also seemed uh, a little like constructed for a character that just shows up halfway through the season. And now it's like, mm. the, I didn't necessarily understand everything uh, relating to that part of the story.
0: Uh, all right. Oh, by the way, um, Molly Gordon is the name of the actress that plays uh Claire, um so as we move into uh episode three uh just to actually add on to frank's point about uh how much time Carmi is uh is is spending like we see that he's still going to his al-anon meetings and in those meetings he's talking about how he's struggling to find time for leisure and enjoyment so that kind of says that he's not spending as much time with with claire but uh uh he's he is still focusing on the restaurant but he's actually not getting the work done at the restaurant that he's supposed to be doing so yeah get your act together Carmi come on bud
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah you're right
2: i mean he's not doing it by himself either there's people there all day like
3: yeah i mean he's not he doesn't work construction either so he
0: just kind of i'm guessing he just stands around watching but uh, uh yeah this is the episode cuz like uh, sydney and, and carmi mm-hmm. realize that uh, they're having some trouble developing their menu uh, things aren't coming out right and um you know it's their palates aren't aren't uh, really backing them up and 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 how they're preparing new dishes um so he takes off uh with with claire and then kind of leaves sydney on her own and she goes out to multiple restaurants and tries different food in the cities and goes to see some uh former colleagues to get feedback on what's going on. And so she's she's trying all this different food. And at the end of the episode, I think the best thing that she eats is this incredible ice cream sundae that she's eating in a diner. That thing looked fantastic and it made me want to get a sundae, but sadly I did not. Um and then uh she kind of uh returns back to the restaurant and um you know she's kind of upset that uh um uh carmi has been making a bunch of decisions without consulting her and they're supposed to be partners and you know she just wants a phone call saying hey uh we might have a mold problem and you know he's not communicating that with her and so we get a little uh, bit of tension uh, once again between those two um so this this episode was mostly about uh uh about sydney and kind of uh um trying to get inspiration for um different things to add onto the menu and, and how to prepare interesting dishes. Uh, Frank, what were your thoughts on episode three?
2: I mean, I don't have a lot of particular episode thoughts except for episode six. And I kind right. of watched this almost in two sittings. So okay, uh, again, I was probably team Sydney. Uh, if there was ever a time when I was like frustrated on her behalf, it was when they made plans to go taste dishes and that like, that's really the incident with Claire that sets off the tension but uh yeah i i don't know for me it, this i don't really w- remember what happens pre-episode six it's just all kind of set up
0: sure uh zach what about you thoughts on that giant sunday <laughs> i mean i'm with you the sunday looked good i mean i was
3: eating ice cream while i was watching it so yeah oh, I, I, <laughs> I definitely felt that um I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I like the kind of <clears throat> I like seeing her kind of um, going around to the different restaurants and everything. I mean, the, the one thing I was thinking, though, I was like, you know, I was thinking about this maybe as myself wanting to be in the restaurants because, I mean, I remember when I watched season one, I was thinking, oh, I really want to eat a Chicago, Chicago beef, Sam Italian beef sandwich in, in a place like this. And this season, I was like, uh, it's nice seeing the food porn and everything. But then I was like, I don't really want to eat there. Like I want, I want, want to eat an Italian beef sandwich. And that was like, what was like kind of comfort food was what I like. And I mean, it was kind of interesting that scene too, where it's like, she's eating all this fancy food, but then she goes and has a Sunday and that was the most satisfying part. And it's like, there's kind of a weird um, element to that too. Like that it's kind of, they're like kind of trying to class it up very um, high class kind of restaurant, but you know, they kind of became famous for their just kind of simple, you know, Chicago, Italian beef and other like pasta or whatever else they did. I can't remember, but you just, you want a hot, wet beef sandwich. Yeah. I'm just thinking if I'm going to watch a show, I want to see a show about Italian beef sandwich and just mm-hmm. some pasta not <laughs> all this fancy, um, whatever the like, custards and things like this. <laughs>
0: Sean, what about you? Are you more of a, just a big sandwich person or, or do you want to get a plate with like uh, different kinds of sauces like dripped around and like a beautiful presentation of your food plate?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a more of a, um, comfort food kind of guy, but you know, that's actually an interesting point in terms of like, I don't know if I fully got the sense of what the bear is supposed to be. Like, I guess maybe it's a, it's a mix of both. Like it's kind of comfort food, but with a bit of class added to it. But I don't know; I'm still not quite sure. But but I did like this episode. I mean, I kind of agree with Frank that it's hard to think of individual episodes with show because you know they they're short and they kind of fly by uh, in a lot of cases. But I did like her going to the different restaurants and that was just an interesting thing to think about like you know obviously it's probably something people talk about with food critics as well but it's like if you're sampling all this different stuff like are you actually eating the full meals because like can you actually you know eat that much food like it seemed like she ate a lot of stuff but um i don't know it's kind of just interesting to see that that idea of going out getting inspiration from different places and and uh working from that
0: um Episode four, um, it, we find out that Natalie is uh, is pregnant and the construction efforts continue and uh, Sydney starts to screen new employees. Uh, but this episode is mostly built around uh, Marcus as he takes off to uh, Copenhagen uh, to develop uh, three uh, unique desserts for the restaurant. And uh, Carmi sets him up with uh, an old colleague of his named Luca, who's played by Will Poulter and i know in in the in the season 1 when we talked about it we talked about the the music choices that they made throughout the season and um you know throughout the first three episodes i was noting the different artists that uh that we hear from like like there's we heard fine young cannibals and uh and uh, bruce hornsby in the range and uh, like a whole bunch and uh, uh, mavis staples we heard in the first three episodes but this episode um pulled a classic from from lindsay buckingham a song called holiday road which was originally on the soundtrack to National Lampoon's Vacation, um, which I thought was an interesting choice to put uh, in this episode. Um, did Did any of you peg where you'd heard the song? Like, did Did it ring a bell, or did you did you not notice that that was the theme song from Vacation?
1: The only place I know it from. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, I, I found that it was super interesting that they uh, chose that song uh, to put into this episode. But so this one was mostly about Marcus and him developing his talents and learning from from Will Poulter and um, I know uh, Zach, you said you enjoyed uh, his performance in the episode. So like, what um, uh, what were your thoughts on this and and kind of Marcus's development okay. through uh, through this through the show? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I like Marcus's character. I
3: mean, I, I thought his, um, I, I mean, I, I guess I like that because that's the only time you ever actually. Um, see him actually do much interacting other than just like kind of simple like comment in the kitchen or something like that so I I like that I mean I, I also did really like Will Poulter's character in there kind of because like there's always this kind of like coldness to him so that you like always think he's gonna get really mad and angry but he doesn't he just is very calm and but he always looks like he's a little bit on the edge. And maybe that's kind of like a bit of his character, his, uh, the actor as well. Like I'm used to him being kind of like this kind of a slightly like a prickish kind of character. And, but he was very relaxed here. I mean, there was some like weird stuff too. Like, but though, like the, the thing about the, the, the guy in the, who was in the bike accident, I was right, like, right, I don't, right, I, don't yeah. I was like, I don't really get what that point was. Um, it was just kind of like, there's, it does occasionally have these kind of weird elements in the show that aren't like always fully explained, like, or the significance is, isn't always there. And I was, that was one of those scenes where I was like, I don't really get it. I mean, it might be trying to suggest something about um the, the impact it's had on his life, but I'm not really getting much of that. It didn't seem like that much of a serious accident either. I don't know. I, I think he could have got out of that himself. Uh, he's maybe just playing it up for uh, Marcus there. <laughs> <laughs> probably could have got off on his own but i, I
0: don't know that was just <laughs> my interpretation of the scene yeah i i agree it was it was it's one of those little bizarre things that they seem to throw into similar in season one with the kids and and being all drugged it was like a weird <laughs> thing that was kind of amusing to most people but it didn't really fit in with what we've been watching the whole time. And so it was just this, this strange little moment. And yeah, I, I kind of assumed it was, it was going to lead to some sort of a a setup that, uh, you know, while he's helping this guy, he was going to get mugged. Like it was a big plan or something. I just kept waiting for something else to happen other than him lifting up this fence and helping this Dutch guy get on with his life and ride his bike. It was a, it was an odd scene. Uh, Frank, you, you ride your bike. Have you ever had a, have you ever crashed into a fence?
2: Not yet, but I'm sure it'll happen one day.
0: <laughs> and uh, will you call for help?
2: Absolutely.
3: <laughs> what was your assessment of that scene? Could he have gotten out on his own?
1: Tough he, to say, but was I was drunk, drunk right? That. Wasn't he drunk? Like I, that's I the know. impression I got. I may have had similar thoughts. I like. I like that just because it, it is that is something about this show where they throw in. Kind of weird things that feel like just you know a realistic thing that could happen to anyone in their life, and it doesn't have to have some like super deep significance. I mean, you could read something into it. You could think, oh, maybe that is going to be a moment he remembers, and and it is going to have some effect on him. But it it doesn't have to be spelled out for you. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about that that feels a little more. A little more loose, you know, it doesn't feel like, you know, the whole season is like super tightly plotted and overly written like a lot of TV is.
2: I, that's where I kind of disagree. I, I feel like it tries to be authentic and reveals its in, inauthenticity while it's doing that. Like it, 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 like some of the events that happen, there's no way this would happen in real life. If you really got down to like some of the family drama, what happens, none of this stuff would ever happen. It's, it's a, it's mm, an yeah, exaggerated version of reality. Uh, and I, but it, it kind of bothers me that it's trying to masquerade as like, this is what everyone's like.
1: I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if you're talking about like the Christmas episode specifically. It's one but, example. Yeah. I think some of the like, drama I, I and
2: I, manuf- like the stuff Zach and I are saying are kind
1: of forced. That's the stuff I'm kind of talking. I think a lot of that stuff is based on his family. Um, but you know, again, I don't know how accurate it is, but like, I don't know, it felt pretty real to me, but, uh, but yeah, this episode, I liked the Copenhagen kind of change in location, idea of living on the boat and the, the cat that may or may not be real. Uh, you know, again, another weird little thing that you could it read something happened. into it or not, but um yeah
3: I mean I I I get what Frank is talking about like there's certain moments that they add in there that are like um it almost feels like it's intentionally quirky like or it's trying to be intentionally um like a lot of the dialogue I find like to take one example later is like the story of Steve Bartman it it kind of feels like it's very it's very much like Tarantino style dialogue to me where it's like, here's, here's something that's a very rare, like the one thing Tarantino is very good at is like, he takes something that is very insider knowledge for a particular community or a particular group of people. And then they turn that into a story and then some has some sort of narrative element to it. Right. Like this one, it kind of is like, here's a a somewhat generic story that most people who, everyone who lives in Chicago knows about, and then we're going to tell it to a story and so it becomes a kind of forced narrative that they're pointing out, but it doesn't really lead to anything like it doesn't go anywhere beyond that, like where someone like Tarantino would probably come back to something like that. Like it, a lot of the dialogue kind of feels like it's a little bit forced for the culture that it's representing. It's like not off, it's trying to be authentic, but it seems very. I, I don't I, think it, it, it just feels like.
0: Yeah. In uh in as we move into the next episode, I think this was probably the probably the low point of the season and I, I think maybe the low point of the two seasons um in general. Uh this episode essentially is is uh, Claire and Carmi driving to drop off the liquor license and then they attend a college party. Um uh, I talk about episode. Police. <laughs> and this was the episode. And uh I thought for the most part it was you know a, a waste of a half an hour i don't know if they wanted to develop claire and carmy romantically a little bit more but uh i, d- I did not enjoy this episode uh it, it definitely felt like a filler to me and uh you know frank you said you forgot about it so that's I really did.
2: Genuinely, is that really all that happens in this episode like
0: yeah it, it, that's you know and then they have the argument when they get back to the restaurant in front of claire and, and that's Um, And we find out that Ebra has stopped going to the culinary school classes. And that's really all that happens in this episode. And uh, not really a lot to talk about, but uh, uh, definitely uh, uh, a bit of a snooze fest for me.
2: Well, this just reminds me of just a general trend that this show is becoming a part of. Uh, Ted Lasso as well, a show that is Half-hour episodes. I know one of the things with the show is they mess around with episode runtimes, but every that just seems to be getting longer and longer, and inserting more episodes. And I, I just wish it would have stuck to its eight episodes, around a half an hour each. And that's kind of uh, what you're in for. And I I know when these shows get popular, there's this like we got it. we we can do more here. People love these characters. Do more, do more. And I wish people would go against those instincts sometimes and do less.
0: I mean, yeah, I, you, I, want to, you want to see
2: yet less? make it tighter, make the show tighter and better than more because we need more content. And this is a perfect example of an episode. That do we really need it?
3: Exactly. I mean, it's it's definitely not quite as bad as Ted Lasso, I think. Because as of season <laughs> three, it's like you're like an hour and 13 minutes you know, for an episode, you're like, this is beyond
2: (laughs) 100% Ted Lasso (laughs) is is the possible example of this (laughs) I'm just worried I just it's not a problem yet but just okay let's go let's go back a bit to what made the show so watchable
1: yeah I mean I agree it's a it's a kind of a throwaway episode but I didn't mind it like I did it is kind of the only episode where you get a bit of Claire and Carm time just them together and i you know i think from what i remember at this point like are they they're not really together yet they're still just kind of getting to know each other so this is kind of you know building to that but
2: i i know they have to establish forming a new bond but part of the season is this lore behind claire the character and how they've there's always been this thing so there does seem to be an inevitable nature to them like something happening with them so i don't know if i need an episode dedicated to that it's part of like the we're going on this ride we know where it's we kind of know where we're going to end up we don't know the exact destination Uh, i think the exact destination is really interesting but um yeah
3: well whatever it's not
2: horrible either
0: yeah um episode six that's the christmas episode um frank uh, this probably angered you that it was over an hour long And uh, as opposed to the, you know, the half hour episodes, we got all the way through season one. But um, this episode uh, takes place five years before uh, the bear is set to open. And it's a Christmas dinner with uh, with all of the family, uh, Karma's family. And uh, this is the one with all the guest stars. You know, we get uh, Sarah Paulson, John Mulaney, Bob Odenkirk, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis um, all the heroes, all, Jacobs. The, all the greats yeah. <laughs> everybody is uh, is is in this episode playing different members of, of the family and um, similar. I'm to, gonna be
2: sorry, go ahead. I would be a little like hypocritical here in the right. sense that it kind of bothered me in this episode like i knew this was going to be quote unquote the episode everyone talks about just sure. everything it sets up you you know that's where that's the intention of this episode to be the episode they submit for awards whatever and i could kind of feel that while i was watching it but i have to say by the end of this episode i think it it kind of earns that stuff to some degree like i i i was like a little skeptical when I saw the runtime for the episode and the cast, but there's a moment specifically that sells the whole thing, which is John Mullaney's toast. I think that is the pro- probably the best moment in this season for me. Um,
0: I, I would, I would agree that it's definitely up there. But um, uh, this episode also brings back Joe Bernthal as, as Michael, the other brother. And um, you know, there's there's so much uh, tension in various p- parts of this episode. You we get Jamie Lee Curtis playing the mother who uh clearly has a, a drinking problem and is uh you know very abusive uh verbally to <clears throat> and emotionally to her kids and to everybody that's in the house. And um, you know, the kids are you know essentially letting it happen and uh because it's their their mother and like there's a, a lot of stuff that goes on there's there's uh uh a scene, a moment in this episode like the fork scene um between joe uh joe, john berthal and uh and bob odenkirk uh, which i thought was excellent and um really I, I i do agree that this is the episode that they're going to push for awards consideration uh but i think it was an an excellent 60 minutes of, of television and i was i was totally into it i bought into the whole thing i loved all the suspense and the and like it gave me anxiety just just watching it and and you know i don't even you know i don't have a family that uh i, I don't think anybody's ever even raised their voice to one another before so zach what were your thoughts on this episode
3: yeah i mean i uh... I, I i agree i mean it's probably the the centerpiece it's definitely the centerpiece and it helps kind of explain a lot of things i mean a lot of the show they kind of always kind of talk about oh Carmi is Carmi. and i didn't like i always felt like this is kind of like a, a really cheap <laughs> answer for anything for explaining Carmi's character because they never really explained it so it was nice to see it um and to see a story that kind of tells you something about his character and his and his way of thinking without necessarily trying to just have like um, a dialogue or like someone just explaining everything about his past, which is kind of what it feels like with the Claire story, which is like, oh, this Claire was your best friend, or you guys hung out and I saw her, you should, you you guys should hook up, blah, blah, blah. But so it felt much more natural. And it was, uh, it was just also an entertaining episode, I think. Um, I mean, I think, I, I do agree it's a little bit like stunt casting or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, I think they were all, all good. And I mean, I think most of them were pretty right for the role. I think um, maybe in ways you wouldn't necessarily even expect them to be too. Like I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was really good. I liked her performance and, um, and I, I especially liked her at the end as well, like kind of seeing her, um maybe how she feels about herself later like five years after this the scene so um yeah i mean i i I quite like the episode and you know it's kind of weird it's like um it's chaos and it's like anger but there's kind of like something what the show really does well is that you kind of want to be part of that chaos a little bit like same as in the kitchen um there's something enjoyable about it like oh i want to be part of that family like that i mean well, Unlike that's
2: John Mulaney's Mal- I, I, <laughs> post. is that, right? Like yeah. not having that sense of like the high highs and the low lows of like feeling the drama of a family. And he's an outsider that's been pulled into it and tries to highlight what's good about it or what he appreciates about it. So I think that is the moment of the show. For
0: me. John, what about you?
1: yeah i mean i thought it was a great episode i i i think the idea of a one 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 hour episode in this you know in a season of a show like this where they're kind of doing this backstory and it's kind of all set in one place i think it makes sense i think it works like i said i think it gives a lot of context for who Carmi is and why he likes doing what he does a like doing and um and, you know, I think there is a bit of a trend here with like seasons of shows where you got to pick the one episode and it's usually a flashback. Like, you know, I know Mythic Quest has done a couple of seasons now where they always pick an episode where it's like this, you know, flashback and it's this one off story or whatever. But I, I don't mind that trend. Uh, and I think this one is, you know, maybe a better example of it. Like it, it kind of just works really well. I don't know if this is going to become a thing they do moving forward, but I just, yeah, I think there was a lot of stuff that you kind of are trying to fill in the blanks. And then finally it's like, okay, here, this kind of explains the family dynamic better than all the stuff you've heard up till now. You know, I guess you could question some things like, you know, would the driving a car into the house, like the big moment at the end, like, I'm kind of like, did they need that capper? But like, up to that point I felt like Jamie Lee Curtis's performance and who that character is felt real to me and like it wasn't it wasn't like she was going to 11 but like you know you could see just there was like an un, an instability there and everybody was kind of on edge around her and like that totally affects the whole family so uh, that worked for me uh and then yeah there were some funny moments in there too and it was pretty solid I
3: really so- liked Sorry. No, go ahead.
1: I really like the episode, but where
2: I do disagree, I think everything about this episode is at eleven, including like the set decoration of the timers. Every timer in the kitchen has spaghetti sauce all over it. Like, can we relax for three seconds on this show? Uh, So that that's those are the small things that they start to add up in an episode like this. I'm like, can we just pump the brakes a bit on the chaos? It's exaggerated to a point of incredulity.
3: You don't like the spaghetti sauce so that's bubbling up to the exact yeah, top like, of the room. <laughs> just yeah, like dump uh, a little bit out.
2: The whole family is has this history of cooking and all this stuff. There's a hundred people there, but they, it's a complete chaos. Like they've never done this before. Uh, I'm not buying it. Is what I'm saying.
3: I mean, I I I, I feel like the the, the sh- that episode did have a bit more build up. It wasn't at eleven the whole time. I think it was maybe maybe started at like nine or something maybe I would say. Um, <laughs> but there, there is a, there is like the, when it starts, I mean, what I liked about it is that you slowly become involved in it where it's like, it seems a little bit normal, like at the start, like, you know, you start seeing these little things and then it starts to become a little question. I mean, you know early on I think Jamie Lee Curtis is like buttering some bread with her hand and I was like okay this is maybe a bit weird I don't know but maybe that's normal for how she cooks or something and then you start seeing it more and more and you're like okay there's something (laughs) something chaotic is going on here but I mean so I think it did like build a little bit more like because you start off and you're kind of assuming it's some some level of uh, normality for that family even if it they might always be at 10, but it still seems like relatively normal. And then it becomes chaos and you you
0: kind of see a transition at some point, I think. You know, I I think there are family dynamics that are, that are like this and and that do get up to uh, that level. Um, You know, I have uh, not my own family, but I've been around uh, a family uh, years ago and on two separate, christmases an ambulance needed to be called for the mother for too much alcohol um so this stuff does happen there was no uh, uh though she did try to get in the car and drive she didn't actually drive the car into the house but you know this stuff uh is out there and you know, maybe maybe the whole episode being 11 you know i i get why um you know you might not uh, be on board with that um i did not have a problem with the uh Uh, uh, spaghetti sauce stained timers (laughs) although i think that's why you're awesome on these episodes Frank, because you pick up on that stuff and that that little stuff bothers you so much and it's just endless entertainment for me so i appreciate you pointing that out
2: just felt a little overdone and again i want to say i really like the episode It, it it probably deserves to be the one that gets submitted for awards
0: you have you've, you've never like cooked a big pot of Sunday gravy and have it bubble over as you're throwing in the meatballs.
2: I, I mean I've had stuff like that happen, but I haven't I feel like part of this episode is this is a tradition. She always does this. For example, my grandmother always like cooks big meals and she's got it down to a science. Like it's it's
0: well, yeah, yeah. she is guzzling and, wine and smoking cigarettes. I mean, I, I people if they're
2: volunteer to help, which many people are doing in this episode as well.
0: If there's one
3: criticism, it's that this meal has no consistency whatsoever. I have no idea what they could have been eating in this meal because it's just like a lot of sauces, gravy,
0: fish. I have no idea what they actually ate for the meal. They had lobster. They had uh, pasta. (laughs) They had meatballs. They had uh, like the seven fishes. This is like the Uh, chaos. This is the chaos menu, I guess. This is the origins. Like your mom had the
3: the most chaos menu. (laughs)
2: That's a good point. I did not make that connection.
3: It, like I as I was watching, I was like, What the hell is she making? Why does she have so much gravy? That is an insane amount of gravy. And For I know number...
2: it, it might sound like I'm, you know, picking or nitpicking on the show, but as much as this stuff kind of bothers me or I'm aware of it while it's happening, it does work in service of why I like the show, like making you feel it. And I don't know if I'd feel it as much if they like played it like like uh, a normal family. So I can appreciate it. and, like not love it at the same time.
0: Well, I I think um, you know, that that whole thing plays a lot into Jamie Lee Curtis's character and and you know, and and how much, you know, her alcohol addiction uh, affects her and her her mental health struggles, you know, and it's she's we're constantly seeing in this episode people are like begging to help her and when she has her her meltdown at the table, you know, she says that, you know, I do this by myself and no one ever helps me. And that's, you know, that's, I think that just kind of, you know, really explains that that character and and that type of a person that she is because of everything that she's, she's dealing with and, and, you know, and how the family seems to kind of forgive her for this behavior that she can kind of get away with all that stuff. But, you know, I just, I thought that that was a, a, a well written character oh, and yeah. a well-written episode and i thought that you know a lot of that family dynamic and the arguments and the stuff between um you know Carmi and and richie and michael when they were trying to set her up with this this claire person who at the time you know you know who becomes this mysterious uh character in this episode and and all that stuff that is happening throughout the episode i just thought it was really well crafted spaghetti stains and all
2: the only, the only thing i'll say is i did not necessarily get that the mom's issues were just alcohol issues i i I actually thought it was more about like her personality type and like she happened to be drinking that was not what i took away from her character
1: yeah and i think it's supposed to be a combination of things for sure
2: but yeah i I it works either way i think in terms of the episode
0: um, all right, so let's uh, move on to uh, uh the next episode, which is uh, called Forks. And this is uh Richie's episode uh where in, in one week he completely changes his life around from this massive fuck up to being this expert at all the different things. Um, you know, there is one very cool scene where he's um he's at this point he's kind of bought into everything you know like there's there's uh, essentially what happens is he gets sent to this uh, restaurant that Carmy used to work for uh for like a week just to learn how a high end restaurant operates you know he's started at the beginning where he's just cleaning forks for 9 hours and making sure there's no streaks in them and uh gradually gets to do uh different things and you know he thinks that uh Carmy like sent him there uh just to get him out of his hair but um we kind of realize that carmy sent him there because the one thing that richie is good at is talking to people and and so he kind of wants to push him into that position where he can actually be around uh other people and and learn from people and kind of develop that one skill um but there's one scene where he's standing behind uh uh chef jess who's the um Um, she's manning the pass, you know, she's expediting all the, all the tickets as they come in. And it's this hectic, you know, two or three minutes of her calling out orders uh, to the kitchen crew and calling out to order pickups to the wait staff to come pick it up. And he's kind of watching and he's asking questions and he kind of starts to see the pattern and he kind of figures out uh, how this person is doing that. And, you know, we get the payoff to that in the, in the last episode where he takes what he did learn in that moment uh, in a way to organize it and uh, and communicate to everybody um but which i thought was a really good scene uh, in both episodes um but uh, yes yeah it was only a week and yes it did seem a little far-fetched that he could become that good and uh, change his whole attitude in in a week you know going from wearing the beef t-shirts to wearing suits all the time but overall i thought forks was a really great episode and it really uh developed his character and i loved um all of the scenes in that fancy restaurant like I love that staff meeting scene where they're talking about the smudge on the plate um I love how you know the the person who's in charge of uh of that smaller group of the wait staff or you know he's hard on Richie at the beginning and uh you know he kind of earns the respect and all that and I I thought it was a pretty good episode it's probably one of my top three of, of the season um Sean what were your thoughts on on that episode?
1: Yeah, I like this one. I like Richie. And and yeah, there's something satisfying about seeing him kind of come around and and start to step up his game. And I I thought, you know, this one worked better than maybe say like, like the Marcus one. I don't know, like maybe you're supposed to just take it like that. He's getting a bit of like some advice, some inspiration. I, I don't know that you're necessarily supposed to think like all of a sudden he's completely like improved or something but like with this one it works just because i feel like it's a personal kind of like something clicks inside of him it's not it's not so much about training and like you know you see like him get really good at something over a short period of time it's just that he goes through this experience where suddenly he changes internally and and that can happen that can happen in any moment you know that just clicks with somebody so that worked for me and uh yeah i thought it was a a good good episode
0: zach
3: yeah i I agree i mean it was one of the i think i agree it was one of the the top episodes i mean um it's it's nice because um i mean it's i don't know if i necessarily want to see him like develop but he, he it becomes he his kind of previous character becomes a bit frustrating season one I think he was like one of my least favorite parts of season one is just because it was just so one note and so it was nice to see him develop a bit more I mean like by the end like you, you kind of see he's still not like 100% right like he kind of has the freak out at um Carmi when he's locked in the, in the thing too so he has this kind of um he has this kind of similar he's still in the similar patterns or he's like you know, maybe even worse, he like kind of has a little bit of development, but now he wants to shame other people who like aren't developing like him or something like this, Um, like in terms of Carmi. But I mean, I, I kind of. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It was one of the it was nice to see him in the restaurant. I mean, I like the the kind of scenes in the restaurant, too. Like there's that kind of moment where they're talking about the smudge and then also the woman who wants the pizza. It, like the show has this like weird sense of humor like weird comedy style like it's like very authentic and then there's kind of these like weird absurdist moments in there like the scene about the smudge and the and the thing about the the deep, the deep dish pizza when they try to redo it is like it's kind of like a it's kind of a weird quirky humor i can't really
0: explain
3: i don't, you
1: don't think it... that's realistic the smudge or the deep dish pizza <laughs> thing I mean, well, honestly, the... I have I have no idea. Like, if that would be. I mean, I think happen. it's like
3: purposely over top. Like the the pizza the pizza thing was definitely over the top. Like the way he's doing it, and like cutting it out, and then like, oh look, add like basil leaf or something like this. Um, it was very very much intended to be kind of this like weird, absurdist humor. And I mean, I think the most important part of this episode, though, is we find out that. Richie is a fan of white squall and has a poster on his wall in his ha- in his kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> which I never would have guessed. Um, so that was important to find out about him. And I think he also has an alien poster in his bedroom as well. So, I mean, those are, you know, important details that we didn't know about him. Like,
2: like... he's just a Ridley Scott fan,
3: <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> which is like, it's important to know about a character. That's not something I knew about him before. So,
0: yeah. One of the other, uh, moments of, uh, of, of the episode that I liked was, um, when they're in that team meeting, like, uh, before the smudge thing, they, they talk about, you know, scrolling through the restaurant Instagram and they look for the people who are coming and they talk about that one school teacher who had been looking forward to going to this place for months and, and saving up. And they decide, you know what, don't give this, uh, family, don't give this couple a check, you know, we're going to make their night. And, um, you know, he gets that information from, uh, the expediter, uh, as well. And, you know, like, why do you do this? Like, why do you, why do you do this every night? And she just says, you know, cause I get to make someone's day. And, um, I don't know if that's a, a real thing for why people work in restaurants, but, uh, I'm sure the satisfaction of, of, you know, pleasing people, um, and giving them like one of the best meals of their life is, is probably very satisfying to uh, a chef. So I, I really liked a lot of that stuff in the episode. Um, uh, Frank, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Like, do, yeah, were, you, I were you into Richie's story or not really?
2: Uh, I agree with Zach. I was not crazy about Richie, but I really like his arc in this season. I mean, this is my favorite episode by far because it's a testimony to customer service. Right. And, <laughs> <laughs> the The moment where they don't make the couple pay is one of the
1: f- three or four times I cried. It's probably the time I cried the most. Like that was... <laughs> I love yeah, that. But it's interesting because, like you mentioned, like them gathering all this intel on the, the customers ahead of time. It's almost like the menu, like the movie, the menu. It gets like, yeah. into yeah. like creepy
2: territory, which made <laughs> me think the menu might be based in like the reality of some prestigious restaurants. And that's part of the experience. But I don't know. I, I, I love the deep dish pizza moment. I, I'm like, this is like taking the Costco customer service model <laughs> and exploding it, putting that to 11. <laughs> which uh, is something I'm definitely behind. And it's like, we got to redefine customer service and this is the way you do it. And uh, I loved this episode. I loved polishing the forks, just seeing the forks line up. This was uh, yeah, probably my favorite of the season.
0: You love a clean fork. There's nothing wrong with that. He loves loves customer service. I mean, I do.
2: And (laughs) this, this is a great example of the lengths you can go to and touch people's hearts, Make me cry,
0: um, so you know we've had uh, like two very strong episodes, and then uh I would say the next two episodes were not quite filler, but essentially each episode kind of resolved one thing leading up into the finale, um like episode eight, this is when they they figure out uh that uh, the only thing that is really stopping them from from opening up is uh is uh uh getting their 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 gas checked their gas certified and making sure they don't have leaks and uh they can't figure out how to get the the gas from to stop leaking and and fact figures it out uh before the person shows up to uh to test it and they 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 pass that the fire suppression system uh which uh pretty much sets them up to um going into uh the their soft opening which is the the family and friends in the final episode um this episode will also figures out cammy decides that he's in love with claire who he's really only had like three dates with um it's worse than an episode of the a season of the bachelor where at least they have a few weeks to get to know each other and like this guy seems to spend like 20 minutes they've in total been on the
2: hometown since they were teenagers that's right
3: but he realizes he loves her. In The Bachelor, they dinner. only say, I think I'm falling in love with you. Or I, could, right. I could see myself, myself falling yes. in love with
0: I'm in the process <laughs> of maybe falling in love with you.
3: I could see this turning into something to myself being your One husband.
2: customer service event away from me falling in love with you. <laughs> if you go above and beyond once for a customer, it's over. We're getting married.
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh FAC is able to save the day by realizing that uh, the, the, the test keeps failing because Michael had essentially sabotaged it, hoping that the place would, would burn down and they could collect the insurance insurance money Um and uh so not, not really a lot going on in that presumably, episode presumably there's a gas leak for the past year right <laughs> yeah because <laughs> like, you know they, they fl- keep putting fl- a balloon on the damn thing and it, blow- <laughs> it blows up all the time so every time they've been trying to cook it's just been a, a natural disaster waiting to happen Yeah.
3: Um
1: why, why is he trying to burn down the place that has all the money in the cans of uh tomato oh, sauce ooh,
3: Sean, didn't you understand this season? Just forget <laughs> everything that happened in season one. Just the money was in there. Don't
0: ask questions. The okay. tomato sauce was fine. Like, do you know how strong those canned tomatoes are? Like pretty strong. I think they would survive a fire. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, on top of that, how do you not, he figures out that he overrode some fire suppression element. Uh, like, the first time you fail, wouldn't you check that? Wouldn't wouldn't this be one of the few things that you check? Or, you know, maybe FAC isn't the, the guy for the job. You outsource. You got $550,000 or whatever. Maybe we get someone in to properly assess the only thing that's stopping our restaurant from starting. You I mean, mean, we can afford a, a canning machine. We can afford a, a, a gas expert here. I
3: what mean, the idea them? the idea that there's a single element for a fire suppression j- just kind of... Freaks me out because I think okay, then it, you have to actually turn it on and off, or otherwise it'll just start a fire. Like, why would it, it sound like something that would be obsolete or that you would have no use for? If why would you not want to suppress a fire in a kitchen? I don't know.
2: No, it was because he was trying to burn it down.
3: Yeah, but why would it exist
2: in case the fire happens? I don't get
3: like. Yeah, but why would there be an element for like turning on?
2: I'm sure it senses an over like it would. I'm it was when gas keeps coming out where it's not like regulated by a burner or something like that, something stops and it can sense the flow of gas, how fast it's flowing. And it turns itself off automatically.
0: And I believe it. On a it, canning it road again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be in, in season three, if we get an episode that uh, is dedicated to the explanation <laughs> of the fire suppression system, then we know that the people who write this show are listening to this podcast. I mean, I'm not going to be happy until they do. They explain this (laughs) expression system. Where is
3: this switch? Like, uh, I mean, that Um, could be an episode. I mean, if 40 minutes, easy.
2: So you said the two episodes resolve two things. What's the other thing that gets resolved over these episodes?
0: Oh, um, it just, uh, I mean, the whole, I guess, uh, you know, uh, I mean, carmy says he like he decides that he loves claire and then like right away uh he's already having second thoughts so for me that this, this was like well this relationship is is doomed to end because um he's starting to realize that he can't uh have two things and he's already like he's sees that she's calling him and he's you know putting the phone down and then he's not calling the fridge guy because yeah. this is i guess the moment where he realizes that you know he's he needs to either focus on the restaurant or he's going to be distracted by everything else. And I think that kind of put a a nail in the coffin with his relationship for me anyway. Like, I think that's kind of where he decided that. So, um, but, uh,
2: I did like the moment of like a cell phone of two conflicting things on the screen. And I, I don't know that anyone, I'm sure it could happen where your instinct is to avoid both. That seems to be the problem of the character, but I don't know. I'd at least call the, fr- the fridge guy,
3: yeah. <laughs> you at least, at least do that off
2: the list, you know.
3: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm gonna guess it's not Claire, it's just he's just not good at about doing stuff in general, like he seems right. to always be behind, has no idea what people's names are or what's going on. Yeah, so. what did
2: Carmi do for this restaurant? Is that what season three is gonna be about? Like, I, it, it kind of is what this season is about. It's because, I mean, partially he's put people in positions through generosity to help them improve because he has faith in them. And to the point where if he's locked in a freezer, it's not a big deal. Like you're not that important. So uh, I kind of like that message in the last episode, but the reason why they got there is because he saw the potential in so many people.
0: And, um, like, this is like the fourth or fifth time that he has to apologize to Sydney for his lack of focus throughout the season. Uh, Frank, what were your thoughts on on the doing the the sign language for "I'm sorry" throughout this season?
2: I kind of liked it.
0: Okay, I I, I I was on the fence on whether it would bother you or not.
1: No, I I did not have a problem with that at all. I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, it was I, was that introduced in this season? I was trying to remember where that yeah. started, yeah. but. I mean it kind of makes sense I guess right like the idea that you have to kind of just shut up for a minute in order to do that and maybe that helps you kind of reset whatever was going on in your head but
0: so they also get their uh, business license uh Uncle Jimmy once again uh, comes through and uh um you know when they need something he he gets it for them and uh, they're essentially ready to open for business they've actually, they've gone through and they they've hired everybody and uh everybody is all set. they have uh the speeches uh that we're about ready to open and uh the, that leads us into the finale uh with they've opened the doors and people are are coming in and uh I, I think the finale is is also one of the best episodes of the season. It's probably in my top three and um you know we get a lot of tense and and hectic ticket printing once again we get a lot of screaming arguments a lot of fuck yous to everybody uh this family does like to uh verbally uh, assault each other which is one of my favorite parts of this uh, of this series um but yeah so we get all of the characters essentially that we've been introduced to beyond um uh Stephen, john mulaney's character and uh and sarah paulson's character but everybody that was in the, the christmas episode i think is is in there maybe not bob ordenkirk but uh but Fax brother is there and you know Claire's there and she brings her her roommate that was the crier from the 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 boring episode of the of the Pardon. college party and um, you know Sydney's dad is there. Uh what's her name? Natalie's uh husband is there. So everybody all these other characters that we've seen throughout season one or two are all there for the brand uh soft opening of the new restaurant and and of course uh, nothing goes smoothly and we get the The payoff of carmy not calling the fridge guy and he gets locked in the in the cooler for essentially half of the episode um but uh and he doesn't really get to take part in them successfully completing their dinner we get somebody uh smoking meth in this episode we get somebody vomiting like we're running the gamut of of things happening to these characters um so sean what was your thought on the finale
1: yeah. This was my favorite episode. I, you know, I, it, it kind of, I, I was starting to get a little worried f- what Frank said earlier that it was going in a nice core direction and it was just kind of like, okay, everybody's working together. Everything's perfect. And now they're just going to execute. But I like the way that they, you know, start bringing some problems back in and obviously like the editing and the energy of it is fantastic. But I just, I love that idea of him getting locked in the, The freezer, and you know, kind of the there's like the symbolic nature of it where it's like he can't let people into his life and he's like cutting people off and that kind of thing, but just also the logistics of that. Like, yeah, if somebody gets stuck in there and you're in the middle of the shit, like you don't have time to fix that, you're just gonna move on. And uh, and yeah, like the idea of like how he's accidentally says what he says to Claire like you know yeah it's a little bit written but like kind of makes sense like and 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 I I think for his character to come to actually be thinking that at that moment yeah that makes sense so um yeah it like kind of brings it back to okay now we've got some stuff to work through in season three and uh but you know yeah obviously the seeing how the restaurant actually does as well which will be interesting
3: Zach what about you yeah I, yeah i agree i mean there's kind of like a callback to um i think it's like episode eight uh six or seven and season one where it was like one long take and it was just like in the kitchen and it kind of uh you know i, I thought season two would be a lot more like that but I, it was nice that they kind of had this kind of uh, nice core chill environment for most of the season and then the last episode was kind of that chaos i, I really liked uh the music as well i liked how they had this kind of like this kind of um, music inside of the the kitchen when they're cooking, and then there was just kind of like this kind of music or like just regular rock music happening outside of the in on the actual floor. <clears throat> and so then you see them people walking back and forth and these kind of different tones happening. Um, I really like that. I thought that was effective as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also it, it did a good job at bringing everything together and how everything worked together in terms of the whole team um it felt kind of like I I read one review where they were talking about it it's almost like a a sports movie the whole season is in that it's like all these people working together and then eventually everything kind of comes together and I think that the final season is kind of or the final episode was like that where it's just like everything kind of works together and everyone's doing their own thing and and for part of it you don't really even know what other people are doing you just kind of go by what's happening and so yeah I thought that was I thought that was probably for me the one probably the best episode
2: of the season. Yeah, I I liked it as well. Uh, freezer stuff's really good. The the moment with Claire is uh, hits pretty hard, and it's uh, pretty effective. I, it leaves you in a nice spot for season three. And I I I don't I, really my favorite part is Richie coming through and leading the charge, and just how he adopts the customer service mentality like the frozen banana for his uncle I thought was like okay he's got it he's that was, got that was, a, that was a big
0: payoff from the from the Christmas episode
2: yeah and that was another thing of like you don't always get the payoff for something within the same episode it can come four episodes later and that's to me the best thing the show does it does not make it too obvious where the payoffs are going to be
0: all right uh any final thoughts on uh the season uh, uh... Zach, uh, overall thoughts and your, your rating out of five. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like I said, I mean, I
3: think um, I liked the season more than season one. Um, I liked it because it had a bit more variety in terms of the episodes. And I mean, I think it improved on, yeah, improved on some of the stuff I kind of found a bit frustrating about season one. I think one was like Richie's character. I thought it was a bit too over the top all the time. Um, I also say they, they improved the music quite a bit in this season. I felt like season one was kind of like chaos a little bit like it was just kind of all over and this one it was a bit more balanced or kind of they were they just scaled it down a little bit so it was a bit bit more um uh I guess following all the same tone throughout um and then (laughs) the one thing I, I I did find weird in this this season though was like in, in season one, I don't know that they ever really established that Carmi was known as the bear. And then in I was this gonna season, mention that too. and then in this season, it was like every single character had to mention, call him the bear <laughs> repeatedly. But I always thought in season one, I thought I wasn't sure if it was necessarily like a metaphor, like because of the opening scene in the show where he's kind of staring down a bear on the highway. <clears throat> but here it was like, you're the bear, and everyone called him bear all the time, which kind of felt a little unnatural to me a bit when they kept calling him that. But I thought that was one of the weirdest elements of this
0: season. I always I, I thought that Natalie was the bear. I thought that that's what they had said in in season one. That, I, I think they're all the bear. All Just their last of, name, Brasotto, Brasotto, Yeah, yeah.
3: But oh, yeah. like, but, but so but Cla- it's like
0: Claire is also a bear. She's, Claire she's Bear. Claire Bear. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> And it's like my Mikey Bear, Carmi Bear, Sugar Bear, but then like, but then I don't know why they kept saying, "Hey Bear, go this." They're all, <laughs> they're all the Bear.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the Christmas episode, I feel like they were all calling each other Bear, and I, I don't know. I like ultimately now, I feel like he seems to be specifically the Bear, but like, yeah, up until like in the first season. I actually kind of thought it was his brother. Like I thought it was Michael was the bear at one point. So I don't know. It, it's, it was a little confusing.
0: I would, I, I, I wasn't that confused, but, but yeah, there were, <laughs> there were lots of bears throughout the, uh, uh, this season and, uh, all right. I'm assuming you guys did your superlatives. Are you, are you guys ready?
2: Yeah. We didn't give our star ratings though.
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. Exactly. Hey, Frank, what did, your did you give rating? your, did Frank, did
3: you give your final comments or? I no, Zach. What was your star rating? Oh, um, maybe four out of
0: five. I don't know, four four point two five maybe. Um, uh, Sean, final comments on the, on the season and your star rating?
1: I loved it. I thought it was better than the first season. I'm giving it five.
0: Wow, Frank.
1: I like season one more.
2: This one is a four out of five.
0: I, I think I I did like them equally, although this one had like three really incredible episodes that were all in the second half um but i'll give it a, a 4.5 uh, as well um all right yes so, so superlative time i'm i'm hoping you guys uh got them uh, prepared and and ready to go um we can start with our our favorite secondary character um i'll go first and honestly i thought i thought claire was my favorite secondary character because most of the other characters are, are main um but uh i thought uh although i, I didn't I didn't think a lot of that love story uh, between the two of them was really necessary for the season. I thought that she was really good. Um, You know, I really felt her heartbreak when she was on the other side of the cooler door. I mean, that single tear that came down, like I I got, I got pretty close to getting a little watery. Uh, I really felt uh, her pain, but I I thought she had a really good performance and uh, um, uh, yeah, so I I liked her uh, addition to the season. Uh, we'll go to Sean next.
1: Uh, I was going to say Claire as well, I, I, but I'll switch it up. But I will say, like, I thought they had really good chemistry together, like the her and um, what's the, the main guy, Jeremy Allen Jer- White. Yeah, I, I thought they just had a natural chemistry together. But I'll say uh, Teddy Fack. Teddy Fack liked having him in there for season two.
0: Uh,
3: Zach, what about you? Well, I was I was going to say Fack and his brother. Um, <clears throat> But I'll I'll switch it up. I'll, I'll say I really liked uh, Oliver Platt's character. Um, maybe mostly because he, he comes. I didn't I didn't really like him in season one. Um, I liked Oliver Platt, but I don't think his character was that appealing. And but in this one, he comes off as <laughs> one of the more normal ones in the family, and he's enjoyable. And I just liked Oliver Platt, like seeing him in the in the show. But I um, also like I also like, um, and Theodore yeah. Flack
0: too. I thought um, they were good, good chemistry. The, uh, yeah, there was one scene we actually didn't talk about in the Christmas episodes with, with the, or the episode with the Fact Brothers and John Mullaney when they were pitching him their, their idea to buy the box of the sports cards. I thought that was a very funny season, uh, funny, uh, part of the, the episode. And, uh, um, I thought John Mulaney played that uh, very well, and I did enjoy that he was going to give them the $500 uh, just to see how this whole thing would play out with the two of them uh, buying a box of uh, baseball cards off of eBay. Uh, Frank, your favorite secondary character? Look, I
2: come to these things with the answers prepared, and just because someone else says the same one as mine doesn't mean I just change. When you ask the question, you answer the question honestly. And my favorite secondary character was Oliver Platt as Uncle Jimmy, and I'm not changing because someone else I said think, it. I me. think
1: you had to change there, Frank. That
0: was the it's absolutely
2: not. And I just found out he's born in Windsor, Ontario.
0: Is is he on like a billboard or something?
2: No, it's in his IMDb
0: thing. Oh, okay. What about? Uh, let's go to uh, your recasting choice. Uh, I I think uh, the fact that you guys all kind of uh, struggle with this one, but. Uh, I find it to be my my favorite one just hearing your answers. Um Sean, let's start with you because Zach is gone.
1: All right. Yeah, this was tough. And I I went with Jamie Lee Curtis to recast. I actually do think she was quite good, but I would be curious to see what someone else could do in the role. I'm going to throw out someone that's way too old for it, but Gina Rowlands, I think, could uh, put, bring something to a character like this. Maybe that's like typecasting in terms of stuff she's done before, but she would probably bring it in a little more subtle than Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: I was hoping you were going to say Linda Lavin, just to tie in <laughs> Alice from the beginning of this episode. Fair enough. Uh, but, you know, uh, Frank, let's go to you.
2: Well, Bob Odenkirk is my recast. We've done a lot of notable TV shows. I don't need him in here. You can go a lot of directions with this. You could say, we're the bear. We get every actor. We're the greatest show on television. And whoever we ask, you know what? We're going after Daniel Day-Lewis. We're bringing him out of retirement. (laughs) But I said, no, we're not going to do that. You could clearly, being in Chicago, this entire episode is borrowing from home alone and so i'm like why don't you just tell us who this character is supposed to be we know it's supposed to be uncle frank so let's get jerry bauman who played uncle frank at home alone to play this role but <laughs> even that's too obvious so we got to step outside the box and we're going with xander berkeley of 24 fame and terminator 2 judgment day to play uncle lee
0: wow all right very good uh uh zach do you have your uh your recasting choice ready i do
3: yes um i'm i i'm apologize. i just missed everyone else's answer so i'm not sure what i should say because i might do maybe you something.
2: can yeah give your actual <laughs> thoughts this time <laughs>
3: um so i was gonna go uh i would have replaced bob odenkirk i i, I liked him I, I don't think he was right for the role though as that character um He's too like a, too much of a comedic actor, and I would have went with Vincent D'Onofrio because this is what Vincent D'Onofrio was born for. He's playing that kind of prickish father figure, um, and that's what he excels at. And he's and
2: hey, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he one of the uh, asshole brothers who does similar stuff in Chicago? In is it the breakup where they have their sightseeing tour business in Chicago?
3: Like Vince, oh yeah, yeah, it's true. He to get sh-
2: on Vince Vaughn for filling out his reports. You're not doing the work.
3: There you go. All right. right. I mean, he's definitely a Chicago. I love
2: dude. it. I love it.
3: I mean, I um, probably. I mean, if they recast this next year, if they put him in, I'm suing Christopher Storer.
0: Blown away. I think uh, I would recast uh, uh, Joel McHale's tiny role in this show, uh, similar to how I would have recast him in. In, in season 1 um i think you know like just the the scene of him just kind of sitting in that corner table waiting for his food uh that was too uh, much for you you didn't like <laughs> it, it was too much I, I i needed um i needed you know something a little more lighthearted and i think naturally the the your best bet of course would be jim parson's from the big bang theory Bye. was it was, was
1: it, it you... was it actually supposed to be that character or was that just Cuz oh yeah. I feel like Joel like when they showed Joel McHale in the corner, I feel like then they had another shot where it wasn't actually him.
0: Yeah, it wasn't him. Right. No. Yeah, no, okay. it wasn't actually Imagine him, but that that's guy. what Carmi yeah. was seeing. Gotcha, yeah. He was seeing his old evil.
3: Right. Didn't uh, you choose Jim Parsons for something else recently?
0: Like on the That's the, Yeah. It's... That's that's the I always choose Jim Parsons. Do <laughs> you. <Seriously? laughs> A couple oh, times wow, I chose uh, Stephen Merchant, but uh, Oh, okay. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right, let's Give go it with there. <laughs> 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 top five moments. Um, uh, Sean, let's go with your top five.
1: All right, my number five soundtrack. You got to go with the soundtrack. It was pretty solid. I like that, that Weezer Christmas song that ended off the Christmas episode. That was just like a strange choice, but it really worked. Um, number four. The omelet with the sour cream and onion chips. I mean, oh. every now and then, you, you give me some food porn for just something simple, and I'm in. Uh, that looked really good.
0: You, you like a little bit of crunch in your omelet?
1: I mean, I've never tried it, but it sounded really delicious. Um, number three, I will say the Christmas episode. Uh, number two, I'll just say the finale. And number one, kind of a cop out, but I, I think the two leads, Jeremy Allen White and uh, Ao Itabiri, Edib- I think they are both great. And I like their chemistry together, but I also like their separate journeys that are kind of going on at the same time. So yeah, that's number one for me.
0: So uh Jeremy Allen White uh the the next thing that he has coming up uh he's in a, a movie about the Von Erichs the wrestling family. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Von Erichs. Uh Kerry Von Erich uh was actually in the Deepwood No, no. That was Terry Taylor.
2: Oh sorry. Is he uh, uh... Kerry
0: Von Erich was the Texas Tornado. Texas Tornado. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh like but they were very famous um uh I can't remember which, uh, what wrestling company they were with, uh, but it was run by their father and there were four brothers. Um, and uh, I think three of them committed suicide, like this horrible tragic story of these, uh, this, this wrestling family. Uh, but yeah, so he plays one of the Von Ericks and Zac Efron also plays one of the Von Ericks in this movie coming out. So I'm interested in watching that. And, uh, I, I don't know, maybe something. that could be, uh, an episode of ball John coming up. We can watch that.
2: Yeah. Well, there was the leak of Zach Efron looking like with the huge jaw. And it was recently revealed. Those are all for that. I think it's an A24
0: movie. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah
1: I think, is that playing at TIFF or something? I, I know I saw
0: something about it recently. I'm curious. Um, well, Frank, let's go to you with your top five.
2: All right. My number five is the gas test. Uh, the balloon not going up. I I was very happy for the whole crew when that happened. Uh, number four, Richie's Redemption, specifically the frozen banana uh, for his uncle. Uh, number three, in terms of score, I didn't love every music drop, but I did love when the thief score dropped. That's for sure. And a lot of, also in Barry, had the Rain Man drop. My favorite scores are being pulled into popular entertainment. And while I say I like it right now, We'll see if I like it in the next time it happens because I'm starting to get a little sick of it. Uh, but number two, the the John Mullaney toast, about what he appreciates about the family. And number one, the pinnacle of customer service at the restaurant where Richie learns how it's done. He could have just gone to Costco for a day, but he went to this restaurant. <laughs>
3: Wow, I need to go to your
0: Costco. I mean, I'll take you a
3: tour. My yeah. top
0: five is um, uh, number five: uh, uh, Richie and Carm screaming fight at the cooler in the in the last episode. Uh, number four: uh, Lindsey Buckingham's Holiday Road. Uh, number three: uh, In the Christmas episode, there's a scene with Donna and and Carm in in the kitchen, and she wants him to go go sit at the table. And he's like, you know, just let me stay and help you. And she's like, do we have a problem? And he's like, do we, do we have a problem? What do you mean? And she's like, do we have a problem? And it was almost like, like, like a mobster. Like I'm going to slit your throat if, if you don't get out of my face. And I just thought that was a really great scene. And, and uh, I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was, was really great in this, in the, in the episode as well. Uh, Number two, I also have John Mulaney's toast. I didn't change it uh because frank handed it at number two I, I stayed with my original plan yeah. and uh number one uh the the end of the fork scene um when you know like uh they're just staring at each other and it's just like close ups of their eyes staring at each other and then the fork gets fucking thrown and and hits the uh hits the cannolis and the whole place just busts up. Uh I thought that was a, an excellent scene. Uh Zach, your top five. I'm um, sure. I mean, some of these are repeated, so I apologize, Frank. Sure. Um, <laughs> um,
3: the music, number five. Um, I mean, everyone has their own favorite music drops. I, I thought if I were to say mine, I, I really like the the replacements in there because probably because Maddie Matheson was talking about the replacements in, in early in that episode. And then they played some near the end and they played a couple times, I think. <clears throat> Uh, number four was i like the cameos i mean i i liked as i said I like will poulter i liked olivia coleman's so those are my two favorite ones i think that i think um they weren't over the top that they were obvious that they were trying to attract attention they were just kind of thrown in there kind of almost as surprises um number three i just put like the individual journeys like i like the episodes where they have each character kind of um just develop their own so i like richie and and the story of richie and um marcus um in particular their own journeys and how they all, all they both got almost like their own episode to tell something about their lives that we don't really normally see um <clears throat> uh number two i put the the food porn um i thought um I'll, you know i it reminded me a lot of just looking at instagram and tiktok and just watching food be made and um, there's something kind of enjoyable about that. It's like the best kind of reality TV show is like uh, you know, the Gordon Ramsay Master Chef or something. It's just seeing something being prepared um as best as as it can be. Um and I, I feel like the show is at its best moments in this season where it feels like it's almost like this mm, love story about cooking and um the joy that people have in trying to put something together. And then, number one, I put Zach and his brother Teddy. Um, I thought they were great together. I love some of the scenes. I love, I, I, I loved the favorite moment was near the end when Teddy kind of does the brushes his hair back by <laughs> going like this. Um, it was a great moment. It was just like they had these weird quirks. And um, yeah, I just, I thought they had great chemistry together and kind of silly element to the otherwise like mostly
0: serious, chaotic elements of the show. Alright, uh, that is uh, season two of The Bear. Uh, thanks for doing the, the podcast, guys. Uh, Zach, uh, are you uh, we mentioned it earlier, but are you in fact watching The Bachelorette this season? You know what? I've, I've been kind of watching on and off. I kind of <clears throat> I hate to say it. I
3: mean, I think it might be done on reality TV. I'm kind of bored lately. Um, nothing's doing it for me. Um, the, my usual my usual go tos like Bachelor, Love Island. I'm too hot to handle. I'm just not into it this year. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what changed. Is is it like you the, found love? The vibes are different now. I don't know. It's just <laughs> I changed or they changed. Um, we
0: all can uh, change.
3: Everyone. Yeah, can change. I mean, I I, I don't think I changed because I want to stay the same and keep enjoying it. But just something's off the last the last year or so. I don't
0: know. What do you What are you saying, Greg? Um, you know, it, it's been an okay uh season uh i I think uh um the the lead charity is uh is a little more um a little more of a of a hot mess than uh, she came across when she was a contestant on the bachelor and everybody kind of thought that she'd be you know you know in control the whole time but uh she she totally fell for the d bag early on and and kept him around way too long as you know she just you know he kind of yeah. she kind of fell for um, the goofiness I guess uh, but of course you know when when he wasn't around her he was just a total dingus so um, I mean, but it's it's, wow. it's been a bit of a mess hey, come but, on uh,
2: charity's too. Put together, like she is aware of all this stuff, and the producers are telling her to keep that guy around. Like it's, yeah. it's the exact opposite. These everyone's so scared to be on these shows now or make a mistake that it's just diluted the the inherent drama on these shows, and it's only evolving out of producers' manipulation. So, well,
0: of, of course, but I mean, like, uh, like she was into that Braden guy for quite a a, a lot longer than I she mean, should I have been. I mean, she
3: let him go pretty quickly, though. She was like, she was pretty cold and like, just like, okay, well, then you're like, I'll see you later. Like she wasn't emotional about it. Like, I mean, I feel like I feel like there has been a distinct change in the last couple of years, particularly a bachelor, but of a lot of other ones where it used to be like those really toxic, crazy people, you would keep them around and they would make it pretty far. But somehow there's been this change in the last couple of seasons where it was like, we need to get we need to weed these people out really quick, but it well, used to be that the producers used to force them to keep it on, and everyone used to hate them for staying on. But now it's like they're gone well, within what's three happening? or four episodes, so there's
0: no drama after like yeah. episode three or four. Like
3: they're what's been seen...
0: happening? And I think it, I think it started what? with with Katie's season. What's there's, there's this whole uh, mob mentality that's that starts where the guys kind of they kind of pick out the one or two people that they think are the big. Problematic people, and uh they kind of gang up and uh yeah. and one or two of them kind of goes to the lead and says, "Hey, um you know these people are uh are are toxic, you know, and you shouldn't keep them around and usually yeah. the people that are to the tattletales go first, and then the problematic person goes goes after but that 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 seems to be like this thing that's been happening in the seasons where um it's kind of like the mob is able to okay. force out the the crazy people that keep them from being on much longer than they should be for for, for sure.
3: our entertainment for sure I mean it, I mean that's kind of how Katie got famous too on the season she was the contestant too was i mean it, right it, yes it, uh which, which season was she on? I can't even remember now uh, matt sure. James oh yeah matt yeah I, I feel like he i feel like Wait, he, is was it was sad that I remembered that so quickly. <laughs> I mean cuz I feel like Matt was kind of the change too cuz he kicked off people really quick cuz people complained and he was like okay I don't want any of this on the show this is too much for me and got rid of them. So he was the he was um he was too sane to be on reality TV. I mean he wasn't like on the show before so that was maybe why. So he was just like oh this person's clearly crazy I need to get rid of them. But like he doesn't know that those are the people you want on the show to to sure. to ramp up the drama. Um so I I don't know but Yeah, there's definitely been a I feel like there's been a a distinct change in the way that the the stars of the show kind of treat the kind of toxic people now, too. Maybe the producers do as well. And, you know, I agree with Frank, like people don't want to look bad on TV that much anymore unless they're. There's a few odd few who are like paid (laughs) who are paid actors who get paid to like really bad. Those ones do a good job, but
0: even they kind of go out pretty early. I find now, Um, but I don't know. Frank, do you think that there is still a possibility for real love on The Bachelorette?
2: Uh, yeah, of course. I'm romantic at heart, you know.
0: All right. I was beginning to sweat. My vagina, sweating. My armpits, I'm sweating.
2: I'm trying to find a paid actor quote and it took me a while.
0: <laughs> Zach, where can people find you on the internet if you want them to? Um, you can find me uh, probably
3: on the discord. I'll be hanging around there. Usually Um probably addressing any um, criticisms of any comments I made on today's episode. I'm probably trying to resolve that clear up anything <laughs> I said that I regret or need to change or any, uh, clear up anything that any frank's criticisms of me changing my answers based on what's already been said so i gotta i'll be on there clearing everything up for everyone
0: uh frank you're still not on the internet for anyone to find that's correct and what's happening on the next game junk
3: don't know (laughs)
2: right, in an hour
0: (laughs) no idea. (laughs) all right well how about this what is the next game that's coming out that you're pumped about
2: uh sea of stars
0: I don't know. Is that what, what is that one about? Is that like a circus?
2: Like a retro RPG, JRPG, 16 uh, bit style graphics. Is that the right title, Sean?
1: That is the correct title.
2: August 24th by Sabotage Studios. Who made the messenger, which is a very underrated game. People should check out.
0: What's um? what's JRPG? What is that?
1: Japanese role-playing game.
0: all oh, fun. Yeah. Okay.
1: Greg, you'd be um, excited to hear a new Double Dragon game just came out.
0: Get out of here. Yeah. Does it take quarters? No. no. <laughs> it <does> not. <laughs> then I'm out. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, Sean, uh, where can people find you? Uh,
1: film just junk? Yeah, FilmJunk.com. Film Junk on Twitter, aka X, or whatever the hell it is. Um, yeah, that's about it. Film Junk, the, or Patreon.com forward slash Film Junk
0: are yeah. you guys uh, are going to be reviewing Disney's haunted mansion? Because I've seen that.
1: Uh, I wasn't on the immediate <laughs> list, but uh, maybe <laughs> uh, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Frank, uh, I would say that you should not watch this movie. Okay. Um, there is a lot of
2: jump like, scares.
0: No. Well, maybe for you. Yes. Um, but, there's a lot of really shameless product placement, which uh, it really bothered me. So I'm assuming it would really annoy the hell out of you.
2: I don't know. There was quite a, quite a lot in mutant mayhem as
0: well. So. Well, it is Mm -hmm. a cartoon. Yeah. So. um, All right. So you can uh, follow us. uh, TV junk podcast on uh, Twitter. uh, Gasman lives on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And uh, I think the next episode will probably be ahsoka so that'll probably be the next
2: mando yet season three
0: you haven't no oh man you got a lot to catch up on yeah there's going to be a lot of star wars rebels reference you should probably watch all of rebels first (laughs) got it i think that'll be good for you thanks for checking out the podcast and we'll see you next time
3: you can watch mr rogers MTV, and you can watch till your eyes fall out of your head.